Welcome to What Makes Us Human, a podcast series from Cornell University's College of Arts and Sciences. While we might think we know what it means to be human, researchers across fields are finding surprising new insights all the time. In this series, we bring you Cornell's leading researchers to showcase the newest findings about what it means to be human in the 21st century. I am Roald Hoffman. I am the Frank H.T. Rhodes Professor of Humane Letters Emeritus, and I've been at Cornell over 50 years. How can a theoretical chemist who has spent all his life calculating the preferred shapes of molecules and their reactions, how can he tell us something about what it means to be human? Of course, I'm all too human. I even write poetry, and I like poppy seed cake too much. But I can't point to a single molecule that has benefited humanity that has come directly from my work. Let me tell you a story, self-serving as it might be, which gets at what being human means to this chemist. A dozen years ago, I gave a seminar at the University of Akron in Ohio. Gerald Koser, a very good polymer chemist there, asked me what I thought of a hypothetical iota-benzene molecule. The name immediately evoked benzene, an icon of organic chemistry. Chemists have been studying benzene and its relatives for over 150 years. Thomas Pynchon, Cornell graduate, his book, Gravity's Rainbow, can tell you a little more of the remarkable story of benzene. Iota benzene, which would be similar to benzene, but with a slightly different makeup, just one carbon and hydrogen in benzene substituted by an iodine, ergo the iota moniker, nothing to do with Star Wars. Iota benzene did not and does not yet exist. But could it? I said to Koser, that molecule is in trouble. Koser knew why I said what I did, and I knew Koser knew I knew, because we shared a common background. For nearly 90 years, we have been aware that in benzene, having six so-called pi electrons, which describe a particular kind of bond between atoms, nothing to eat, that this is good, and having two more such pi electrons past the six is bad. And we knew, both of us, that iota benzene would have eight pi electrons. We'll look at it, I told Koser. Trouble, iota benzene's kind of trouble, is a challenge. It took a while. Finally, eight years ago, a talented young Jordanian chemist, Abdel Rawashde, came to Cornell. Using a computer to do his intensive calculations, he found out something important about the shape of the hypothetical iota benzene. This molecule did not want to be flat. Want. That's, of course, an anthropomorphic way to talk about molecules. We started to call the structure that emerged for the molecule a bird, because that's the way it looked like. Now, professional gatekeepers, we have them too. The editors of our journals, they didn't like either term. But I think anthropomorphisms are a good way to describe life. 
Abdul went back to Yarmouk University in Jordan, but the job was not done. I'm patient. In 2016, a few years later, a new postdoctoral associate from India, Priya Kumari, who calls herself Priya, joined the group and took on the study. We felt that iota benzene went into the bird shape to avoid the trouble the eight pi electrons gave it. Of course, we were not interested in gauging the misery of the molecule to which those detailed calculations testified. That would be somewhere between boring and sadistic. But iota benzene's trouble with its pi electrons made us think of a class of molecules known from the 19th century called Meisenheimer complexes. And we knew that a strategy exists, has existed for many years, for stabilizing these Meisenheimer complexes, a way to substitute some atoms in the molecule. Computer calculations confirmed our intuition that this strategy also worked for iota benzene. What does this small chemical story have to do with being human? To be human is to try to understand. Simulations, that's what our computer was doing for us. That's not understanding. Yes, human ingenuity and understanding built those PC cores on which we compute, and there was still more human creativity in the software we share. But numbers do not constitute understanding. It was Gerald Koser and I who asked the question, what is wrong with this molecule? It was Abdel and Priya and I who made the computers part of our humanity as we sought an answer, who formed a conversation with the human imagination out of those numbers flitting across a display. We reasoned in a contemporary way, a state-of-the-art way, using quantum mechanics, but still in ways rooted in the past. Remember those 19th century Meisenheimer complexes? We reasoned in words and images and chemical structures and inspired by likenesses. Chemical metaphors, really. We crafted a strategy for changing iota benzene from just an unhappy molecule to one that our friends in Ekran or Rostov-on-Don or anywhere in the world just might make. Coming up with that strategy, that was being quintessentially human. Join us for another edition of What Makes Us Human, brought to you by the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. For more essays and podcasts, visit us online at as.cornell.edu forward slash humanities.